It's the never-ending debate in the Jets fan base right now. Should wide receiver or offensive line be a bigger priority this offseason? I'll give you my thoughts today on Locked On Jets. You are Locked On Jets. Your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome. This is the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Wednesday, January 24th, 2024, and I'm your host, John B. from GangreenNation.com. Thanking you so much for making the show your first listen or first watch every day. Subscribe to the show for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so you'll get new episodes as soon as they're posted. If you enjoy the show and are listening on a podcast source, give it a five-star review. And if you're watching on YouTube and enjoy the show, give this episode a big thumbs up. It helps us out, helps other Jets fans find the podcast. This episode is brought to you by PrizePix, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNFL and use code all lowercase locked on NFL for your first deposit match of up to $100. Today we have our weekly mailbag show. Each Wednesday we try and do a mailbag with listener questions. Thanks so much to everybody who sent in questions. We begin one with about the Jets' biggest needs this offseason. John, should the Jets be more focused on improving their offensive line or their wide receiver position this offseason? It's a great question. It's a question that's a hot topic of debate in the fan base. And I'll start off with the obvious answer. They need to do both. They don't do both. This team is not going to reach the heights we're hoping it will reach when Aaron Rodgers returns next season. The offensive line is not acceptable in its current state. Neither is the wide receiver group. I I don't know what the Jets were thinking going into the season with either of these groups. Uh, They were depending on Dwayne Brown and Mekhi Becton. We saw how that worked out. Even heading into the season, a questionable strategy based on Becton and Becton's injury history, Brown's age and coming off an injury. The receiver position... The receiver position had more defenders for the Jets, but I don't really understand why. I don't know why people thought Alan Lazard was a quality number two receiver. Most of all, I don't understand why the Jets thought that. So the Jets need to improve both spots. Now, which spot should be the higher priority? Or which spot should they aim higher when we're talking about the quality of players they get? It's a tricky question, and I haven't seen like a lot of analytical work done on the relative value of offensive line versus wide receivers. Um, you know, to the extent I have, it seems like maybe receivers a little bit more important based on what some of the numbers have said, but none of these studies are the final word. None of these studies are absolutely definitive. So it's difficult to say at the moment, which is more important. And I think over the next decade or so, the game of football is going to change dramatically. You're, you're starting to see analytics come into the game more and more. And football has been like the sport where you've seen the least amount of analytics. Part of it's just a cultural thing where football is very resistant to change. But part of it's also that football is more complex than any other sport out there because you have 11 players on each side. You have very complex X's and O's. But I think like we're getting the technology, especially the power of computers, that we're going to start catching up. And I think like over the next decade, we'll really learn a lot more about positional value. We'll, we'll start to like illuminate a lot more about the game that we don't know right now. And I think we'll have a better sense of like how much we should value receiver versus offensive line. And of course, when analytics uh, gain greater precedence in the sport, it's both good and bad. There are some people who will tell you there are aspects of other sports like baseball or basketball that they find less enjoyable now that analytics have taken on such a prominent role, but that's the wave of the future. But for right now, how do we determine this? 
and I'm not even about to make a statement about which is more important, uh, offensive line versus wide receiver. But what I'll tell you is that I think that if we if the Jets can only land like one big fish player, it should be at the wide receiver position. And the reason that I see that is you add a really good receiver across from Garrett Wilson, and you also have Brees Hall out of the backfield, then you got three big-time playmakers on this offense. And suddenly we're talking about an offense that's a playoff-caliber offense. You add one offensive lineman to this group, you know, I don't know how much of a difference it's going to make. One offensive lineman, you know, it doesn't really move the needle if you have a lot of shaky guys around them. Now, Joe Tippman's going to be back. We hope he develops into a good player. He showed some flashes this year. Elijah Vera Tucker will be back. You hope he can just stay healthy because he's pretty good when he's on the field. But the other spots are question marks. Even Tippman, to an extent, is a question mark. And I don't know, like, if you get, you get one big-time lineman, I don't know that it's necessarily going to fix the offensive line. And a lot of the offensive line is based on chemistry. It's based on you know just having solid guys. And sometimes you see that the sum of the parts on the offensive line can be – the whole can be greater than the sum of the parts. Sometimes you just have five guys who are okay, but they work really well together. It's something your offensive line's in business. So I think for the Jets, it's less about you know finding the big name. It's less about finding you know the, the big fish out there and more just about finding guys who will work well with Tipman and Vera Tucker. And sometimes these guys, these guys aren't necessarily expensive. Um, you know, um, we saw how George Fant performed with the Jets in 2022. He goes to Houston, has a pretty good year. He's playing next to guys who are solid players. Now, part of this is coaching. I think the offensive line is a position group where coaching probably matters a lot more than it matters at other spots. And we saw the Jets had some deficiencies there this past year, and it sounds like Keith Carter's coming back. So, unfortunately, the Jets will have to deal with this level of coaching but you know one player at the receiver position that's somebody the defense has to try and take away one player on the offensive line one offensive lineman that's not going to necessarily change the world so for me it's about finding the impact guy at the receiver position and then maybe finding the right mix of guys maybe there's some middle class free agents out there who will work really well with Tipman and elijah vera tucker so there's again the short answer is they got to do both Look, they can't. If they run out this offensive line next year, Aaron Rodgers is not going to last. If they run out this receiver group next year, the offense is going to have a pretty low ceiling. So they need to fix both spots. But I think if you're asking me which spot should they go for, if they can only afford one big time player, I would say I'd go at the wide receiver position. Next question John, the Jets have been rumored to interview a few offensive coaches next week. The Jets fired their running backs coach. Last year, it took a few weeks before they fired LaFleur. Is there a chance Keith Carter and Nathaniel Hackett are fired this offseason and we hire somebody we are currently waiting to interview because they're still in the playoffs? We'll never let it be said all Jets fans are pessimistic. I, I admire the optimism that the, you think the Jets are going to fire Keith Carter or Nathaniel Hackett. And let me tell you this. If you are right, you are my hero because the Jets should get rid of both. They're both not good coaches. I just spent time telling you why it's important to get rid of Keith Carter because the Jets can, if they want to fix this offensive line, getting a better coach in here would certainly help. Nathaniel Hackett, look, we know the reason he's still here. Not a secret. He's Aaron Rodgers' friend, and there's no other way to put it. That's the reason Nathaniel Hackett still has a job here. Um, I just don't think there's any chance the Jets are making a change. I think that while there are instances where a team claims a coach, a couple of coaches, a coach may come back and then they change their minds. If they were going to make a change, I think they would have been much less committal 
I mean, the Jets essentially have said, like, most of the key coaches are coming back. They've mentioned that maybe there's going to be a small change or two on the coaching staff. We saw that the, the running backs coach is not coming back. And, I mean, we'll get into that in a bit. Uh, that's a curious decision uh, from an outside perspective. But they've said Hackett's coming back. They've said Carter's coming back. Again, that's never a 100% thing. But it wasn't, it wasn't like they hedged their bets. It wasn't – they didn't give you one of these, we anticipate he'll be back. Sometimes you get one of those where we, we say, you know what, we, we think he's going to come back. Or sometimes they'll, they'll just tell you we're evaluating everything. They did not. They went all in and said, we're keeping these guys. So, you know, I appreciate the optimism, but I think the offensive coaches they're hiring are either going to be you know, a replacement for the running backs coach or they might be, you know, just, addition, just, just additions. You know, sometimes teams decide that they want to increase the uh, number of coaches that they have on staff. I don't think – uh, Hackett or Carter are going anywhere. And I've heard the idea of maybe we bring in somebody new to run the offense and Hackett just gets like a new title senior offensive assist. That's probably not going to happen either. I'm sorry to burst your bubble, but hey, I love the optimism. And if you're right, you're my hero. Now, hey, on the Lockdown Jets podcast, we'll turn our attention to the trade market. Who do the, do the Jets have who have trade value? What could they get for them on the open market? I have some thoughts on that. I'll let you know what they are as we continue on this Wednesday mailbag edition of the Lockdown Jets podcast. This episode is brought to you by PrizePix. PrizePix is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. It's the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. And with basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League. This is a league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James and Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three-pointers made and receptions. And you should also know that PrizePix offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. For football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return for the second, that player's rebooted. PrizePix is the only daily fantasy sports platform with that injury insurance policy. Go to prizepix.com slash NFL and use code LockedOnNFL for a first deposit match of up to $100. Again, go to prizepix.com slash NFL and use code LockedOnNFL for a first deposit match of up to $100 using PrizePix. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Jets your first listen or first watch every day. A big shout out to you, Everydayers. This is a daily podcast covering the New York Jets with new episodes Monday through Friday, bonus episodes as needed. Really do appreciate your support as we head into the off season. We continue now with our weekly mailbag. Our next question, John, I was wondering if we have any players that you think we could realistically make available to trade. What draft picks do you realistically think we could get for them? If we cannot trade down, would any be worth a second rounder? So I actually talked a little bit about this on the show yesterday. My focus was more on clearing out salary cap space. Now, of course, every player could be traded for the Jets. You know, if you wanted to trade Sauce Gardner, you could probably get a first round pick plus. But that would not be a good move for the Jets because there aren't many shutdown corners in the NFL. And, you know, you probably would not get uh, players as good with the picks as Sauce are, as Sauce is. Um, the two guys I mentioned on yesterday's show who I think could be available and could actually bring back some sort of draft pick return are John Franklin Myers and DJ Reed. And the reason I mentioned them is, first of all, like they're good players, but they're not great players. You know, they're not the Sauce Gardner level. They're not the uh, Garrett Wilson or Brees Hall level. These are guys who are good players, but they're also in their late 20s. And they've also shown some signs that maybe they're slowing down a little bit. And you always want to, if you're going to get rid of a guy, you want to do it while they still have value. Now, I don't think either of those guys would fetch a second round pick in return. I, I think that 
you're probably for either of them talking like a late day two, maybe a third round pick, maybe early day three pick. And this is just an estimation. You know, teams, the way teams value players can vary dramatically. And it only takes one team to like really up a player's value. I mean, who would have thought the Jets would have been able to get a second round pick, a fourth round pick, and a sixth round pick for Sam Darnold a couple of years ago based on his 2020 season? So, you know, it could be, and maybe I'm overestimating these players. It's always possible that, you know, you see a good player out there and you think maybe he gets more than uh, maybe than he really will. But that would be, my, my guess would be if you traded one of those guys, you're talking about like a late day two, early day three pick. I think another guy who the Jets might be able to trade for something. I don't think they're going to do it though, because I think they really like him would be Tyler Conklin. I know Conklin's kind of become like a joke on the show because he was, I thought he was awful in 2022. And then 2023 came and he actually put together a pretty decent season. And he actually added some contested catches. Uh, but I think Conklin statistically probably overperformed relative to the value he provides to the Jets. I think if you look at his numbers, you're really impressed. If you watch like what he actually does, it's not as impressive. And I think like a lot of this is the Jets just had so little at the wide receiver position that, you know, he got more targets than he would have in a normal situation. So if a guy's value is like higher in reality, the perception's higher than it is in reality, maybe that's a guy you look to deal. I don't know that the Jets want to do that, though, because I think they really like Conklin. I would guess Conklin maybe gets you like an early day three pick if you put him on the market. Um, I think like he's replaceable. Like I think he, you know, he had a pretty decent season, but I don't think he's like he's a guy that would you you really struggle to find a comparable talent to replace him. Uh, but I don't think they do that. So those are like the guys I I would focus on in the trade market. And if we're being realistic, you know, I think that you know some people have questioned could they trade Bryce Huff a uh, tag put the franchise tag on Bryce Huff and trade him. The challenge with that, and Huff would have a lot of value. I mean, I, Huff might be the guy who could get you a second round pick. The challenge with that, though, is that the Jets would actually need to have the cap space. And we're talking upwards of $20 million. And right now they only have $5 million. So to pull that off, they would need to clear out a lot of cap space. And they already need to clear out a lot of cap space just to sign people as it is. I don't know that they can necessarily have a hold that big for Bryce, just for Bryce Huff, considering how little cap space they have and how much they'll need to create just to be able to operate this offseason. A follow-up question to that. If the Jets can sign, re-sign Bryce Huff, should they, should they trade Will McDonald? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Will McDonald could fetch a second-round pick. My answer, my initial answer would be no to that. And here's the thing with Will McDonald. The Jets get criticized for that pick a lot. I, I'm still a very much in wait-and-see mode on that one. I know, like, the arguments, well, this was an all-in year. Like, you, you they, they picked a guy who didn't play much. Well, it's never a good idea to like make your draft picks about year one, even if you are all in. Draft picks are you, you never judge a draft pick on it really how they do as a rookie. You judge whether they're a long term player for you. I mean, ten years from now, do you, are you gonna, are you going to care whether Will McDonald played much as a rookie? You're going to care whether or not he was a good player for five, six, seven, eight years for the Jets. So I, I never like focusing on year one. Now, year one can give us a hint, though, of how good a player will become. And I am a little alarmed by how little Will McDonald got on the field. Now, I know the Jets do have a fair share of defensive line talent, but you, know, you hear a lot of comparisons to Jermaine Johnson, and people say, well, Jermaine didn't play much in year one, therefore Will McDonald's going to be great in year two, just like Jermaine was. Jermaine got a lot more playing time than Will McDonald. I mean, Will McDonald was barely on the field. Jermaine was a rotational player year one. I mean, Will McDonald did not have a game where he played 30% of the snaps. That was not true of Jermaine. There were games where Jermaine played quite a bit in year one. 
I also think Jermaine flashed more than Will McDonald did. And for a guy who's an older prospect, Will McDonald, and the reason that's important, like people, people misunderstand why the significance, uh, why there's significance in a prospect's age. People say, well, who cares? Like, you know, who cares how old he is when you draft him? The reason you care is that older prospects in, at the, the, the end of their college careers, pro- sometimes they look good just because they're the oldest guy on the field. They're, they're the most developed guy. They're closer to their athletic prime than their competitors. It's not necessarily a sign that, they're, that they have a bright future. It's just a sign that they're the most physically dominant player on the field. And when you get to the NFL, that physical dominance goes away. You know, everybody's a great athlete. Um, for a guy who's older, I don't think he has as much time to develop. I think next year's it's either going to happen or it's not for him. And I think next year is going to be a year where you know we're going to know a lot more about Will McDonald. I don't love the fact that he's older and he's struggling to get on the field though. And you know maybe the Jets made a bad evaluation. Maybe he should have been on the field more. Well, we'll we'll find that out. And I do think my while my instinct to say to say no, I also do think that the smart teams in the NFL when they realize they've made a mistake, they cut bait on it. And they, they, you know, they take the hit. It's always a PR hit when you give up on a draft pick early. I'm not saying necessarily the Jets should do this, but what I'll say is that the Jets have more insider information than you or I do. If the Jets have judged internally, and I think like there's a non-zero chance the Jets have judged this internally because they did not put Will McDonald on the field all that much. So that's that right there tells you that there's something they didn't like about him. If they judge internally that he's going to be a great player, if they judge internally that we still think we got a shot with this kid, then you don't trade him. But if they've judged internally that, you know what, we don't think it's going to work with this kid, you trade him immediately because his value is not going to go up if you realize that, you know, you've made a mistake. But I can't answer that. You know, it's difficult to say without being in the building every day and seeing how he's advancing. Now, Head, you're on the Lockdown Jets podcast. We'll turn our attention to another team, the Los Angeles Rams. This is a team that went all in recently. You know, they won the Super Bowl and they're back in the playoffs within two years. Is this the team the Jets can model themselves on? I have some thoughts on that, and I'll tell you what they are as we continue on this Wednesday mailbag edition of Locked On Jets. This episode of Locked On Jets is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. And eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers. This is the Locked On Jets podcast. We're doing our weekly Wednesday mailbag show. We continue our next question. John, I hear all the talk about the Jets being all in and how dangerous it is. Don't the doesn't the path of the LA Rams disprove this though? They were all in two years ago. They won the Super Bowl. Now they're back in the playoffs this year. What's the reason to panic? Well, I'd never say panic over the New York Jets. Um, you know, we've seen the worst. Uh, you know, it, it can only get better. Or it can stay the same, but like the Jets, you know, what's the at some point, what's the difference between being out of the playoffs 13 years and being out 15, 16 years? You know, we're just waiting for the Jets to be good again. The Rams are an interesting case, though, because on some levels they were all in a couple of years ago. They've consistently traded first round picks. I mean, they went a really long time without making a first round pick. Part of that's the trade up for Jared Goff. 
part of it was the trade for Matthew Stafford. They also traded for Jalen Ramsey in this time. And they also, you know, really pushed some cap hits to the future. You know, kind of in a not dissimilar way to what the Jets have been doing, where they just decided, you know what, we'll worry about the cap later on. We're going to load as many players into the current year. We'll push a lot of dead money to the future. Um, and it's worked for them. But I don't think that in some on some levels, the Rams have shown some balance. And I think that's that's the important thing is like there are moments where it makes sense to, you know, create short term cap space, even if you're adding money to the future. You know, there's this stuff is more art than science. Sometimes you need to hit you need to hit the gas and sometimes you need to hit the brake. Now, what the Rams have done, though, you know, and this is one of those things that's flown under the radar because you people see them trading these premium picks for established players and they think, well, the Rams don't value the draft. The Rams do value the draft, though. They've made so you, you start out with seven picks every year. You get one pick each round, one through seven. The last time the Rams made less than seven picks in the draft was 2016. So the Rams consistently add more picks. Sometimes it's compensatory picks. Sometimes they're trading down. Sometimes they're trading guys of their own. But the Rams do value draft picks. And the other thing about this is another another piece of evidence I have is a former colleague of mine from SB Nation, a guy Jimmy Kemsky. Uh, he writes at a Philadelphia publication. He used to be on our Eagles site. And he, every year at cut down day, he averages the age of each NFL roster, each 53-man NFL roster. The Rams have been one of the 10 youngest teams in the NFL for over a decade, every single year. And they've frequently been near or at the top. They've frequently been a top five. So the Rams do value youth. The Rams, I feel like, have kind of like found a way to value the first round pick differently than everybody else in the league. The Rams have kind of said, you know what? We'll trade the first round pick for an established guy. Cause the first round pick, you never know whether or not, whether or not it's going to work out. And while, while successful draft picks are cheaper, the first four years, you still do have to pay the first round pick a fair amount. So even though, so even though there's a discount, it's not that big of a discount. We'll take the sure thing, even if we're paying him a little bit more, but the Rams value picks later on. And that's allowed them to navigate what's been kind of a dicey cap situation. They had a lot of dead money this year, but they were able to overcome it because they drafted enough good young players to make up for it. And that's like where you have to find the balance. It's not the end of the world to have a tight cap situation. It's not the end of the world to be short on draft picks. It's not the end of the world to be old. Where you run into trouble is when you do all three of these things at once. And that's the danger the Jets are in right now, is that I feel like you have to find some balance. If you want to, like, push all these cap hits to the future, you got to value your draft picks. You can't have, you can't be short on picks because how did the Rams escape this? And this was the same thing the Saints did um, in the Drew Brees era. People forget that the Saints were kind of circling the drain around the mid-2010s. They had a bad cap situation. They had a bunch of seven and nine seasons. Then they nailed the 2017 draft. Kamara, Lattimore, Ramsick, Marcus Williams. And suddenly they were back in business. You have to value the draft picks. That, that's the key. If you're going to manage your cap, in a short-term focus way, you got to you got to have picks, and conversely, you know, if you're going to be short on picks, you want to be have cap flexibility. And you know, age is one of those things. Sometimes your team's going to be older, sometimes it's going to be younger. You want to make sure that you just strike the balance between the three, and that's the, I think the challenge for the Jets going forward. I'm not ready to write the Jets off just yet with their approach, but I don't think that the Jets' approach, if they're going to continue to, to push cap into the future that they can continue to disregard draft picks. That's where I would say they need there needs to be a course correction. Next question, John. The Jets correctly identified the source of all their problems and fired the running backs coach. Well done, Salah. How can you not be excited over this? Yeah, the Jets, uh, the running backs coach is not coming back. And look, we don't know exactly what happened. 
one thing people forget is that the position coaches actually have more tend to have more responsibilities than just the positions they coach. Sometimes like they're part of the game plan. Like the coaching staff may divide up when they come up with the game plan for, for the next game. You, you know, this coach, the tight ends coach may take like second downs. The uh, running backs coach may take third and shorts. Um, you know, they kind of divide up the responsibilities and there are other areas where like they divide up the responsibilities. Your, your, your only role as a position coach is not necessarily coaching your position. You have other things to do. You also don't know like what's going on behind the scenes. You don't know like the relationship players have with him. You don't know the relationship between the coaches. So I'd never like to judge too deeply what's going on there. That said, the optics of bringing back Nathaniel Hackett and bringing back Keith Carter, the offensive line coach, and bringing back Downing, the passing game coordinator. And the only guy who walks the plank is the running backs coach. It is fair to look in this and say, all right, I'm not going to render judgment here, but something there looks a little odd. I think that's a very fair thing to say. Um, you know, I've seen talk, you know, he developed Brees Hall. Brees Hall was an amazing prospect. Even I could see that. Before that draft, I, I talked about how the Jets should draft Brees Hall. Uh, so I don't know that the, the position coach necessarily had a lot to do with Brees Hall's success. But, yeah, it's a little bit odd that they the one guy who gets thrown overboard is the running backs coach. Hackett should be gone. Carter should be gone. There should be an offensive uh, coaching overhaul this year. And that's not enough. I mean, if the, I don't know if like this was the idea. We're, we're going to show you. We're going we're gonna to show we're holding people accountable. We are making a change on this coaching staff. Well, if that was the objective, it fell a little flat. That's all for today's episode. This has been the Lockdown Jets podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team every day is our motto. As always, if you enjoy the show, hit the subscribe button where you're watching or listening so that you'll never miss an episode. If you like the show and are listening on the podcast, please a five-star review. It helps us out. And a big thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube also helps us out. Have a great Wednesday, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more Jets.